On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what it is said, what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, in this week's passage, Mary and Joseph going to the temple to give an offering. And I believe I have two volunteers here this morning who have an offering for my own gadget fund for 2023 to top up my Christmas presents. So my two volunteers would like to come up with their, their offerings to my tech fund, which I, I'd love to get tech. So, oh, thank you, James. What have you got for me? You've got three dollars $3 of Monopoly money. Thank you very much, James. That's really very, very kind of you. Thank you, Fraser. What have we got here? Oh, wow. Fraser. That's 1,000. 3,000! Wow, Fraser, you're a really great guy. Thank you so much, Fraser. You're, you're an absolute hero. I think, yeah, you can be my friend, James. Nice to meet you, but three, I mean, yeah. Round of applause to Fraser. Thank you, Fraser. And James, yeah, yeah that was... That was all right. Thank you. Well, offerings are a really interesting thing because, I mean, Fraser's obviously a great guy. 3,000, James, you know, that's okay. And here we see Jesus presented at the temple. So this is kind of like a what happens next, this in-between section between Jesus' birth at the Nativity, which we celebrate and focus on so much rightfully, and his ministry when he's, when he's an adult 30 years later. So what happens in this passage? So we see Jesus being circumcised on the eighth day. So that was in keeping with the law uh, that God's people have been given in the Old Testament where they show that they were following God's commands and trusting in him by circumcising their children. And that brought that person into God's, into God's people, Israel. So they did that on the eighth day. And then they went from Bethlehem to Jerusalem, which was about five miles. And that would have been about 40 days after Jesus was born. And that was for the time for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. So they travel about five miles. So that's about from Ards to Bangor or Bangor to Ards. Um, so not, not, not too far. And they go to the temple uh, to provide um, for sacrifice, for, for purification. And what's really interesting here is that they give the offering of a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So this is referring back to the book of Leviticus where God sets out his laws and his sacrifices for his people. But in that purification rites, it doesn't say a pair of doves or two young pigeons. It says a year old lamb. It's not until a few chapters later that it mentions anything about pigeons and doves. And that's because the, the gift of a, two pigeons or two doves was that for poor people who couldn't afford the lamb. So this is showing that Mary and Joseph, they weren't in the middle class, they weren't rich or wealthy in any way. 
they were poor. They probably lived in poverty. And especially compared to today, they were extremely poor. But even compared to how other people lived 2,000 years ago, they were by no means wealthy. They would have been in the lower socioeconomic group at that time. But they were obedient to God's law. And God's law allowed them to give this gift and allowed that to be acceptable to God, even though it was um, not as expensive as that lamb. So what would have happened? Mary would have gone into the temple court and she'd have placed the money to buy this offering into this trumpet-shaped chest. And you can imagine it going in, kind of clink, clink. These few coins that she would have put into that chest to buy that offering. I wonder how she felt. Did she feel maybe a bit shy or embarrassed because she was giving a a smaller offering. You can imagine the bustle and the hustle of the temple as people were bringing in large amounts of money to pay for lavish offerings and gifts. And there she is with the baby Jesus, the hope of the whole world and the son of God in her arms. Yet she only has the money for the poorer person's offering. What does this tell us? Well, it tells us that God does not see things how we see things. He doesn't see our our wealth or our value in the big notes, and he doesn't see our wealth and our value in the small notes. He sees the heart behind things. He saw the heart behind Mary's offering. He saw her humility and trust in God, that it was what he was doing that was justifying her and not what she was doing. God does not see things the same way that we see things. And we see this theme all the way throughout the Bible. We see this with Cain and Abel in Genesis. They both provide offerings of the produce that they made at that time. But God looked on favor on Abel, and he said, that is a pleasing offering to me. But he saw Cain's pride and self-reliance and anger, and he rejected his offering. And to us, it looks like two people had given two equally good offerings, but God has turned one aside and accepted the other. But he saw more than what we saw. He saw their hearts. And we see this in Mark 12 as well, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put in and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Imagine her dropping those in and the sound it would make. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, This poor widow has put in more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I almost wonder when Jesus is saying this, is he thinking back to when his parents used to go to the temple to give out offerings? Is he he remembering 
their, their, their humble love and, and, and service to God as they put in those small offerings and he's seeing these, these kind of self-righteous people putting these large quantities of money and thinking that they are justified and trusting in that. Whereas he saw this widow in her faith offering up all that she had. And then he goes on in Luke 18 verse 9. He says, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to, pr- to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And Jesus is very clearly saying here that our value is not in our net worth. We live in a world which is obsessed with net worth. Who is worth the most? Who has the most money to give? These are the people that people want to know. But Jesus says that your wealth or your socioeconomic status or your nationality is not what makes you honorable in God's sight. It's not whether you give a tenth of your income or it's not how many ministries you serve in or it's not the fact that you go to church every week. You can't say, therefore, I've done my bit, God, you should accept me. God does not see it that way. He sees the heart behind all of these things. And when we put him first and are humble before him and we say, Lord Jesus, it's only you who can bring me to peace with God. It's only you and my reliance on you that I know I'm acceptable to you. This doesn't mean that we should not do these things which God calls us to do, which is meeting regularly as a church and and giving financially to his work. But it means that we don't look to these things. We can't look to these things and point to these things and say, I am good, I am righteous because we can't buy our way into the kingdom of God. And this is what Mary and Joseph understood as they gave this poor person's offering at the temple. They knew it wasn't that God required the sacrifice of two pigeons and two doves or a lamb. That wasn't the point. The point was that they were leaning on God's mercy and grace and trusting in him as they did these physical and practical actions. God does not see things how we see them. And we live in this world where our value and wealth are so important. But we also live in a world which loves to show off that they are doing the right thing and that they are behind the right cause. It takes huge pride in its own moral uprightness 
and it will ruthlessly cancel and cut themselves off from those they see of unworthy fiber, moral fiber. But God says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, the meek, the humble, the pure in heart, the merciful, the peacemakers. God turns all these things upside down. He says that if you take pride in your self-righteousness and who you are, and you don't trust in me, and you just look to me to validate you, then that is not acceptable to me. Mary and Joseph here had taken these steps of circumcising Jesus, the naming of Jesus, the offerings they did in faithful obedience to God. They did not know what was coming next. We can assume here that the Magi had not yet visited them. They had not yet received the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we can be sure that if they had received the gold, they would have got the lamb. And also, if the Magi had visited them already, then it would have been too risky to have gone back to Jerusalem where King Herod was. So soon after these events that we see in the temple, Mary and Joseph's lives are turned upside down as they flee to the foreign country of Egypt, leaving family and friends, their whole social structure behind. And they would have had no idea that this was around the corner. They would have had no idea what lay ahead for them. But they'd faithfully trusted God in the steps that they'd taken up to that point. And here we are at the start of a new year. Some of us might feel like we've got those three $1 Monopoly notes in our hand right now. Some of us might feel otherwise. But we know that God does not see our worth in our finances or how wealthy we are. God does not see our worth and how skilled we are at something or how successful we are in life. God sees our heart. God sees it differently to how those around us see it. So at the start of this new year, there may be surprises around the corner like there were for Mary and Joseph. But can we commit ourselves anew to him? Can we offer up our lives and ourselves to him and say, Lord Jesus, it's in you that I trust. It's not in this money. It's not in my own skills to get by. It's in you that I trust. And I offer up what I have to you with a humble heart and knowing that I am completely dependent on you. And for some of us today, we might feel that we're not acceptable to God right now, that the way we are at this time is not acceptable to God. But we can see here that it's those who do not feel acceptable, who turn to God and say, it's only your mercy that makes me able to approach you that are actually acceptable to God. And those that believe that they should be acceptable to God and that they have righteousness themselves. And it's those people who are not actually acceptable to God. 
So come before him now with humbleness and trust and know that he is so good that he has made a way for us to be with him. Let's pray now and commit this new year to God. Lord Jesus, we're so glad that you have made a way for us to be with you. Lord, that it's not our finances, it's not our own ingenuity or cleverness, it's not our nationality or where we were born in the world, which qualifies us to be with you, Lord. But it is through what Jesus has done. We thank you, Lord, that you use some of the poorest people on the planet to bring about your kingdom works, Lord, and that you will do mighty things no matter what our own personal situations are, Lord, that you can work through all things and in all ways. Help us this year, Lord, to trust in you. Help us, Lord, to offer up whatever we have, Lord, to you and, and put our faith in you this new year. We pray these things in your name. Amen.